Good morning and welcome to worship at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor and it's great to be with you all as we join together today to worship God. Oh God, I give thanks that, that, that I am invited, that each one is invited to feast with you, to celebrate with you. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Today's kind of an exciting time in, in, in our, the life of our church too, especially for our some of our young people, many uh, of you know the, the story that, that it took to, to, to bring me to Oak Ridge and to, I was able to move into our parsonage, which we purchased, and I'm so grateful for this, and it's really been a, a neat place for my family. But one of the, the really cool things about the house that I live in is it's got enough space to be able to invite people in. And our youth group are having a party today at our house. And uh, Hope and I have been working and trying to get this ready to host our youth group. Uh, but the really neat thing is not just about the house and that we're able to invite, to invite in, but also that our, our young people, our youth group, they are cooking. I, I offered to host and to cook. Well, I'm cooking pork, and that's all I have to cook. Uh, but, but the young people, they, they're, they're spending all day here at the church, or most of them are spending all day here at the church this afternoon cooking and preparing meals. And what I understand is at least amongst two of them, there's kind of a competition going uh, about who can bake the best cookies. And, and, and it's really neat to see these high school students and middle school students who, who, who have their recipes and they're fighting each other about who can bake the best cookies. And I say in the midst of that, God is being praised as they're, as they're as they're moving closer to Jesus, moving closer to each other, and then how we get to celebrate this evening. And so I, this is just a, a glimpse of some of the good things that are happening in the ministry here at Kern Church. And, 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 and as a person that gets to participate in this, I just give God thanks. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the ministry that's happening in your church. I thank you especially for these young people that will, that will host at my house this afternoon that will experience the love of hospitality, but also will share their gifts and their love uh, for, for cooking and competition and in ways that are shaping them into faithful followers of Jesus. May you be praised, Almighty One. One of our traditions this time of year is the lighting of our Advent wreath. We light candles and, and we, we ask people to share a devotion reflecting on, reflecting on the calling of Jesus during this time. I want to invite David and Joan forward at this time as they, as they share this devotion and then as they light the candles to help us prepare for the coming of Jesus. The songs sung in and around Christmas often bring much joy to the heart. The joy in the songs is surely due to the memories that many of us have around them. This is the song that grandmother always sang, or this reminds me of Christmas Eve as the cousins gathered on the farm, or this is the one I sang in the Christmas play so long ago. These memories can inspire joy, and yes, even sadness in how things have changed. Today we remember the shepherds who were minding their business and tending to their sheep. We know not whether their lives were full of joy or full of toil. However, this all changed when the angels proclaimed, Come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. They proclaimed, Glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Regardless of the circumstances of life, the shepherds experienced in this miraculous announcement joy, unspeakable joy. 
In the coming of the Christ child and their arrival at his birth, they discovered that the true source of joy comes from an ever-giving God. So today, we light the candle of joy and affirm that in Christ, that is true joy. O come, let us adore him. What, what David shared about the traditions of growing up, uh, the traditions of Christmas, remind me that when I was growing up, we would always do Christmas Eve by going to my Nana and my Pop Pop's house, right? We would go, we would gather. We didn't have a huge family, but we would gather together. My cousins were there, my aunts and uncles, and it wasn't a huge group because we didn't have a huge family, but, but we were there. And my memories are only the best. Dave and I were also talking earlier uh, about how sometimes our memories of childhood can be idealized, whether they're they're about the family gatherings or about Christmas parades. And, and I, I think that my memories legitimately were the best, right? Full of cheer, full of, full of love. When my grandfather died in September uh, of, this, of this year, we gathered as the family together and we went through all and, and pictures from family gatherings, pictures that, that predate me by many, many years, and pictures that involve me. And it was wonderful to remember these memories. It was wonderful to, to bring back the memories of, of that time of blessing. For us as children, we were always excited about the presents that were under the tree. And it always seemed that at my grandparents' house, there were more presents than were ever under my tree. Um, there, there, there were, their presents were just overflowing, and it was such a, a beautiful thing in my memory. Only, I only, of course, I was waiting for my uncle to move out of my, my grandparents' house so I could move in. He was younger than my parents, and so I always waited for him to move out so I could move in as a child. Uh, so when it came time to leave, I never wanted to leave. I only wanted to stay at my grandparents' house and continue there. But of course, my parents wanted to make sure that I was tucked in tight, and they always made us leave on Christmas Eve earlier than we had to leave any other night. And I couldn't ever understand why, of course, but my mom and dad wanted to make sure that we were tucked in tight so that Santa could be there the next morning. And you know, Santa can't come until you fall asleep and are asleep for quite some time. This, this Christmas this was Christmas for me growing up, idyllic in every way that an adult might recall their childhood. Uh, perhaps you have your own memory of Christmas that isn't too dissimilar from this, getting together with family, sharing together around the table, exchanging gifts. You know, Christmas is such a, amongst other things, Christmas is such a cultural phenomenon that, that everyone has their own Christmas. In America especially, even if, even if people aren't Christian, oftentimes they will still celebrate Christmas because it is such a cultural touchstone in our nation. And this makes Christmas different for, for different people. I, I realize as an adult that nobody's Christmas looks just the same. Some open their Christmas presents on Christmas Eve, and that's their big Christmas celebration. Some open them on Christmas Day, and others do different things 
altogether. For, for some, the goal of Christmas is to watch as many Hallmark movies as possible. And everyone has the same plot. You're in the evil big city, and then you go to the small town to find redemption and to find hope. And I've lived in small towns, and they never have as many people as they do in the movies. And, they, and, they, and they never, people never walk like they do in their movies. And, and there's never as much diversity. Maybe there are some places as they are in the movies. And there are never as many young people as there are in the movies. But for some of you, perhaps that's your goal. For some of our younger folks, the goal of Christmas is to craft that perfect Christmas wish list, right? The perfect wish list that, that's right, that is unmistakable, that, that everyone can, 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 can get behind, that you can advocate to your parents and your grandparents and to Santa Claus to make sure that you have an airtight Christmas wish. Commercials this year, of course, give our own give their own insight about how you can find that that you have to have that perfect piece of, of, of Christmas jewelry, so you'll get that perfect kiss right under the, the the something as the snow alights ever so gently on the window and the shot goes through the window. You know, it has to be perfect. You have to have that perfect gift. All you have to do is to find that perfect gift so that you can bless the one that you love or the one that you want to love you back. So much of Christmas is involved with the giving and the receiving of gifts that one of the most, if not the most common question this time of year is someone might ask is, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? I know this is a, a question that I've asked my children. I know this is a question that I've asked my wife. What do you want for Christmas? Parents and grandparents will, will, will often ask this of each other. What are they asking for for Christmas? Because we don't know often, but what are they asking for for Christmas? And, and sometimes someone will ask the child, have you made your wish list yet? Have you made your, your Christmas wish list yet? And then when Santa, Santa came to Kern Church just a couple of weeks ago on Saturday and at our Christmas market, and Santa was in the business of, of asking our children, what do you want for Christmas? The same question. And, and I know some of you who might not be children, or at least um, who might not be children according to the age of your birth, maybe not the age of your heart, but the age of your birth, you too are creating wish lists this season. My wish list involves three things. New undershirts, um, you know, it gets really ambitious when you get old. New, new grill tongs that are a specific uh, brand, and, and coal, lots of charcoal. I, I was always told as a child that, that, that you get coal in your stocking if you're bad. And so my question today is just how bad do I have to be to ensure that I have enough charcoal to last till this time next year? But even though the most common question this time of year is, is what do you want for Christmas? I do think there's a better question. And the better question is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Especially, who is Jesus to you? There, there's nothing wrong with Christmas presents. I, I love giving and receiving of gifts as much as the next person. Hope and I spent some of this past week when the kids were in school, at least the older ones were in school, going Christmas shopping. We had a great time. But, but I think the better question this time of year is not what do you want for Christmas, but who is Jesus? Who is Jesus for you? The question in, in asking what do you want for Christmas in many ways has made Christmas pretty mundane and, and pretty ordinary. 
We have taken a major act of God, the culmination of act one of God's mighty plan of salvation, and and the act of God putting on flesh to identify with His creation, with you specifically, and we've put it under a Christmas tree. We've wrapped it up nicely with a bow. We've domesticated and made inoffensive the, the, the holy image of God, the mighty power of God. And so that brings me to our scripture passage today, which comes from the book of Luke. If you have a Bible and want to follow along, I'm going to be looking at the book of Luke in the second chapter, beginning in verse 8. And I think, I think what this scripture passage and, and our carol for the day, oh come, Oh, come all ye faithful have, have to say is that Christmas is more than asking, what do you want for Christmas? Christmas is about answering for yourself, who is Jesus? So to help us, uh, to help us consider this question, to help you consider this question, I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2 if you're following along, where we find this. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angels stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord, and this is a sign for you. You will find a a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. And suddenly the great assembly of heavenly forces was with the angel praising God, and they said, Glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, "Let's, Let's go now. Let's go to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. Into their ordinary experience, into their daily experience of tending to sheep, of caring for sheep, The mighty power of God broke in. The Lord's glory shone around them and they were terrified. And the angel said, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. I bring to you good news, joyous news, life-changing news, world-changing news. You don't need to be afraid. The glory of God is brought forth in the birth of your Savior. The one for whom you've waited and prepared for the glory of God. So come, all ye faithful. Come, all ye faithful. Come to Bethlehem. Behold the King of angels. Come, adore Him, Christ the Lord. Who is Jesus? The the angels knew. The shepherds saw that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I don't think there's ever been a better summation of who Jesus is and, and what it means that Jesus is Lord then can be found in the early creeds of the church. These days, the early creeds of the church don't always get much billing, I guess, because they, they, they speak in language that is perhaps a bit um, odd to sounding to our ears. They, they speak in language and speak of, about things that are, that are beyond really our understanding. But these early creeds of the church, they speak truths about the, the nature of who Jesus is and the power that Jesus has to save. You see, the earliest Christians, they had experienced the reality of the crucified and resurrected Jesus. They experienced who Jesus was in their personal life, and they embraced this reality. And this is how the creeds, they came to be. 
Sometimes people wonder if, if people were wondering if something was, was true about Jesus or they had questions about who Jesus really was. So the, the leaders of the church, and these were people who were taught by Jesus, and then they were taught by the people who were taught by Jesus. And we, we talk about this as, as, as kind of like this fancy term, apostolic secession, which um, if you're interested in church history is interesting. If you're not, it's not. But, um, but, but basically what this means is that those who sat at the feet of Jesus were taught by Jesus, and then those who were too young to sit at the feet of Jesus sat at the feet of those who sat at the feet of Jesus, and on and on and on as the, as the message of salvation through Jesus Christ was passed from generation to generation, and, and that's how we're here today. But, but what would happen is that the leaders of the church, as people were wondering who Jesus was, they, they would get together and they would ask for God's guidance. And then they would write these summaries answering the questions that people had about who Jesus is and what, what salvation really meant. Those who wrote the creeds knew who Jesus was, and, and, and they, they wanted to make sure that you and I also know who Jesus is. And one of the most authoritative creeds of the church is a creed known as the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed. Around the time when the Nicene Creed was created, about 1,700 years ago, I mean, that's a long time, but about 1,700 years ago, uh, there was a group related to the church who, who, who began to question who Jesus was. And they thought, you know, Jesus, even though Christians have always said that Jesus is God, they began to, to believe, like some today, that, that Jesus was kind of a great guy and perhaps the greatest guy who ever lived, but Jesus wasn't really God, okay? And, and these Christians were known as Arian Christians. Again, if you're interested in church history, perhaps that's interesting. If not, don't worry about it. But, but, these, but these Christians, they wanted to uh, kind of reduce the position of Jesus from God to just like a really good guy, a really good, uh, like, holy person, but someone who wasn't God. So the leaders of the church got together, and they're like, this isn't, this isn't the kind of Jesus that, that we know about. This isn't the Jesus who, who was crucified and resurrected. This isn't the Jesus that, that, that is still active in our hearts and our lives today. And, and so we have to remember that Jesus is human, yes, but we also have to remember that Jesus is God. And so this led them to, to use the language of the day to affirm the words that we find in the Nicene Creed, which some of these are. We believe in one Lord. Jesus Christ, the only Son, eternally begotten from the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through Him all things were made. Now the first two stanzas of our Christ Christmas carol for today, O come all ye faithful, point to this affirmation of Jesus of Jesus as Lord. We sing this at Christmas, but, but it's not just a pretty song. It, it's the core of faith in Christ. This is the answer to the most important question, who is Jesus? And it's, it's found in this song, O come all ye faithful. It goes, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Born the king of angels. And then, of course, the refrain, O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Now, this is language that's been translated into English, but, but it's, it's, it's language speaking of Savior. Savior, our God. Christ the Lord, the Savior, who is our God. Singing this affirms 
that Jesus is king over all and that Jesus is Lord. Lord over all. Then verse 2 goes into more specific language about who Jesus is. And, and to you and I, this language can sound a bit odd. I mean, it speaks of like true God, of true God, light from light eternal. These are not usually ways that we speak, and it's not usually things that we might say, but, it, but it's language that's lifted directly from the creeds that were written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Perhaps you have sung it and wondered, where did this language come from? True God of true God, light from light eternal. Lo, He shuns not the virgin's womb, Son of the Father, begotten, not created. I mean, this language is rich. And it draws straight from the creed composed 1,700 years ago. One of my seminary professors described it like this. He said, the crafters of the creed piled phrase upon phrase. I love this. They didn't try to just simply explain who Jesus was. They just kept piling phrase upon phrase. And that's why it can be laborious sometimes to say these things. They, they wanted you to, to realize who Jesus was. So they just kept saying who Jesus was time and time again, phrase upon phrase, in an effort to assert a simple but infinitely difficult truth that Christ came from and returned to God in a way that no other human had. So, so they, they were trying to, to, to convey to you and to me a simple truth, but yet a difficult truth, that, that Christ came to humanity and returned to God in a way that no other human ever has, in a way that, that where he, he, he came from, He remained with God, and when He returned to be with God, He returned to the place of His own. It, it's, a complex, it's a complex thing to understand, but it's a, it's a thing that speaks of the majesty of who Jesus is. That Jesus, yes, is Lord. In the words of the song, Jesus is true God of true God. Light of light eternal. Jesus is Lord. Now by this point, you may be wondering, why does Will keep talking about creeds? Um, I'm wondering that myself. Why does he keep going on and on about Jesus being God? I mean, Jesus is Lord, yes, but, but this time of year, we're getting close to Christmas. After all, wouldn't it be more appropriate to speak of Jesus being born in a stable, being born in a manger, of Jesus becoming human? Because that's what we're about to, to celebrate, Jesus as a baby born of Mary. And to this point, I, I'm saying to myself and perhaps to you, the most important question of the season is, who is Jesus? And what is at stake in the creed? And what is at stake in this affirmation that Jesus is not just a baby, but Jesus is Lord, is shared in our, our carol. It's the power that Jesus has to save. Because Jesus born as a baby to, the, to Mary is a beautiful image of God's solidarity with humanity. But the power of who Jesus is, is Jesus' ability to save to save you. What really matters is how you know the power of God, the power of Jesus that is present for you and for your salvation. The power of God in Jesus, friends, is life-changing. Jesus is, is true God from true God, eternally begotten of the Father. Jesus is the one Lord. And, and as the creed says even further, for us in our salvation, He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, it became truly human. So when you see that nativity scene with, with the baby Jesus and like these farm animals and, you know, hay or whatever, and um, it probably looked nothing like 
in the first century, like the images that we have of barns and snowy mountains, like, you know, that's probably not how it really happened. But, but when you see images of this, what we have to understand is that God didn't do this for God's self. The, the creed speaks of the power of Jesus and how for your sake, for your sake and for your salvation, God became human, human so all of humanity can participate in the power and the life of God. And this is the true good news of the season. I love the way our carol, O come all ye faithful, says it in verse in verse 5, that reads, Child for us sinners, pouring in the manger, we would embrace thee with love and awe. Who would not love thee loving us so dearly? I wish I could sing better, and I'd sing it for you, but um, I still have like you know, some embarrassment stuff, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, but but I, I think that the common way of us singing this and, and the understanding is that we sing child... For us sinners, poor and in the manger. The emphasis here when you sing it this way is that Jesus as the child is poor and born in the manger. And Jesus is, as a family, we think he probably was poor as were most, most people of his day and age. And he was born in the manger. So it makes sense to say child for us sinners as a, you know, a, a phrase, poor and in the manger. But if you... But if you read it, which you don't have it in front of you to read, and probably should have made a slide for you to see it, um, to me this phrase harkens to a statement in our creed of how God was born for us and for our salvation. And because the way the song really reads is child, comma, for us sinners pouring in the manger, comma. Now, trying to explain where the commas are, um, if you weren't confused with the creed, now you're confused with the English grammar, but uh, child, comma, for us sinners, poor and in the manger, comma, for us sinners, poor and in the manger, is a phrase. It's a phrase in the midst of this song. So to me, this harkens to that statement that Christ was, was born for us and for our salvation before, because you and I, you and I are the sinners poor and in the manger. You are the sinner poor and in the manger. Of course we know that Jesus is in the manger, but as you sing these words, the power of Jesus invites you, invites you, poor one, to join Him in the manger. The power of Jesus for you and for your salvation invites you to participate in His divine life, which we which began on this earth in a manger. And as you enter into the life of Jesus, and as you embrace Him as He has already embraced you, and then as you enter the life of God, after you enter the embrace of the manger, the song continues, Who would not love Thee, loving us so dearly? It is the power of the love of Jesus, of Jesus that invites you, that invites you, and ask you, do you love me back? Do you love me back? For you are the poor one in the manger. I embrace you. Do you love me back? As we move closer to Christmas, I want to invite you, I want to ask you, not what's on your Christmas wish list, but who is Jesus? Who 
is Jesus. Do you know this Jesus? True God of true God, who for you, who for you and your salvation came from heaven to be truly human. Do you know this Jesus? If you know him, you can sing, O come, let us adore him. If you don't know him yet, you can hear the call of the angels inviting you to, to come and behold him because he is born the king of angels in your life. So as we move to this time of, of closure this morning, as we move to this time of, of responding to God in song, I just ask you to reflect, you know, who is who is Jesus? Do I know Jesus? And do I want to know him more? I want you to know that God invites you to come and behold and adore him. Let's pray. Oh God, true God of true God, light of light eternal, you are the Savior. You are the Holy One. You are the One who was before anything is. But yet, you invite us. You invite each one, each poor sinner here to crawl into that manger with you. To receive the salvation of your great love. So I pray this day that all who hears these words, that, that they will respond to you and to your call of knowing Christ more. Your call of following Jesus more. Lead us, Almighty One. Amen. As we sing this, this closing song this morning, I want you to know that these, these kneeling rails are open. You're, you're welcome to come forward and pray. I invite you to reflect on what God is doing in your life. Who Jesus is to you. The question is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you this season in preparation for Christmas? May you be blessed with the almighty love of Jesus that, 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 that comes to earth for your salvation. And may you go with the peace and love and joy of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, and go in peace. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.